Good evening. It's give you a, go- a warm welcome, whether you're regular with us on a Sunday, whether you're visiting us, as in being away, or whether you're new with us. It's lovely to see you join with us. And it's great to join in the worship of God, isn't it? And I'm going to read a, a Bible passage in a minute, a few verses, but let's just commit our time to the Lord first. Father God, we, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your love that sent the Lord Jesus down to be among us so that we could have that peace restored with you. We thank you for the way the Holy Spirit was sent to be amongst us now. And we pray that he would be here active tonight as we look to worship you. May our hearts be opened, Lord, to his influence. And may we look to worship you, to glorify you, and to serve you in our lives. We pray, Amen. Well, before we, uh, we sing our first hymn, I'm going to read a couple of verses from Jude. It's normally read as a doxology, but it does seem to fit in with our first hymn. And we're going to sing to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, Through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. In that spirit let us join to sing with our first hymn which is King of Kings, Majesty, God of Heaven living in me, gentle Saviour, closest friend, strong deliverer beginning and end, all within me falls at your throne. Let's pray that's where we would be. to read two portions from God's word, two places. Uh, One is in Revelation 3, and then we're going to read some verses from Titus. And there, one is a letter to a church in Laodicea, and the part in Titus is Paul writing to Titus, which is how he wants the Christians at Crete to behave. So there's a challenge here. There's two different sets of behaviour. One in the church at Laodicea, and the other in the church at Crete. So let's turn to uh, Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read verses 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, 
the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realising that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And our second reading is in Titus, Paul's letter to Titus, and it spans chapter 2 into chapter 3, so verse, chapter 2 verse 11 through to chapter 3 and verse 8. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So reads God's word. Before we uh, sing our second hymn, a watch has been found in the car park. Um, It was found yesterday. So if anyone knows or knows of someone who's lost a watch, that's here. We're going to stand for our second hymn and sing, and it's Lord of the Years, your love has kept and guided, urged and inspired us, cheered us on our way, sought us and saved us, pardoned and provided. Lord of the Years, we bring our thanks today. And as we were listening, some of us, to the testimonies on Tuesday, We had a young new believer and we had a believer in the 90s and this song actually came to my mind as she stood there giving testimony to God's love to her. Let's stand and sing.
Well, let's again pray to our God. Let's turn to our our God in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are Lord of the years. We thank you that we can look back in our own lives and see the many goodness and blessings that you've given to us. And we look further back through your word and see the way that you have been faithful to your word. You've been true to your character. You've been patient and loving. And Lord, since time began, and Lord, until time finishes, you will never change. And we are told in your word that that is a great thing. Because you are a God who does not change, therefore we are not consumed. Lord, we acknowledge that we are sinful, we do wrong, but we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that through him we can have that peace with you. We thank you that through his death on the cross, Lord, the punishment was taken for all those who would come and ask for forgiveness. And we pray that each of us that are your people, Lord, that know you as our Saviour, that know you as our Father, would never be far from the cross that we would be constantly reflecting on that love. And may that drive our lives. If there is any here who do not know you, have never brought their sins to you, have never confessed their sins, or Lord, who are maybe seeking, wanting to know you as their saviour, Lord God, we pray that you would speak to them, even tonight. We pray that more souls would be added to your kingdom. We pray that in love, Lord, you would reach out and touch them. We pray the Holy Spirit would be active amongst us, amongst each of us. Lord, pointing each of us to Christ. Lord, helping us to listen as John preaches from your word. And as your word is open to us, we pray that it would change our lives. And Lord, we would leave tonight different people as you have taught us something about yourself. Or you've taught us something about ourselves in our lives that we need to bring to you in prayer. Lord Father God, we we ask in the many changing circumstances of life that you would be with those who are going through those changes. Lord, we think of those who uh, may be moving home for the first time, may be leaving home. We pray for those who are moving home. Lord, we pray for those who are starting new jobs. Lord, we pray for those who are looking for work. Lord, we ask you to be with each of them. Lord, we pray for those who may be in hospital. We ask that you would help them. We pray for those who um, are ill, whether that be physically or whether they are struggling mentally. Lord, we pray that you would be a God who comforts them. Lord, we pray that you would be a God who is near to them. We're so thankful that you are a God who we can cast our cares and concerns onto. You are that God of love, but at the same time we acknowledge that through our sufferings, you are getting us ready to be the people you want us to be, ready for that time where we will be in heaven, be that time where there is no sin, there is no suffering, suffering, but there is perfection. And we will see you with sinless eyes, in your majesty and give you the glory that you truly deserve. And Lord, as Mark prayed for those who things are going well, we pray that if that's the case, Lord, you would still keep us close to you. Lord, may we, may we not be left to be strong in our own strength because we know that soon leads to a fall. Father God, we remember those abroad who we pray for we pray for Rosie in Papua New Guinea and ask that you be with her as she serves you in that country. We commit to you the believers in Northern Cyprus and ask that you be with Phil and Diane and with Andrew and Daphne as James and Rachel amongst us here. We know that if they're not here, Lord, we can entrust them into your care and that's where we want them to be, in your care. And we remember those Christians who are struggling through persecution. Lord, we especially think of of those in 
Afghanistan. We pray for that situation in Afghanistan. We pray that your hand would be upon it and that you would limit how much danger, how much hurt can be caused. But Lord, we know there is hurt. We pray for those Christians there that as they are suffering, as they are persecuted, that you would strengthen them, that you would comfort them, that you would be with them. And Lord, as we sung in that last hymn, we pray that in living power, you would remake us. We pray that you would help us to put self on the cross. We pray that you would help us in our lives to put you on the throne. And we pray that as Lord of our lives, that you would help us to live for you alone. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. just going to bring to your attention again um, Thursday. So on Thursday evening, James is going to be, James Swanson will be leading the prayer meeting and giving us an update on Cyprus and the work there. Now he has uh, very kindly set up um, an, an app on Pigeonhole, um, which you can go and leave questions. And I think there are 10 questions there already. There may be more since, but go onto the app. Um, if you need the address, Mark has it or I have it. Um, we can send it to you if you can't remember. And if you have any questions that you have for James, now he would like to do a really fresh meeting um, for us. And um, yeah, that would be great. He'd look forward to that. Thank you. We're going to stand and sing our, our next hymn, which is Facing a Task Unfinished. Now, I don't know about you, are you a, a, a ta- do you have a task list? Do you like to write your jobs down on a sheet? Do you like to tick them off? Do you like to get them done? Well, at the moment, this task is unfinished because our God is patient and kind and long-suffering because there are people still in this world that he's going to call to himself. And this is our call not to tick the, list off the, off the, tick the task off the list, but actually to get on with doing God's work. So as we sing this, it's a challenge to us as well as an encouragement. Thank you.
Well, we're going to look at a, a theme this evening, a theme which I hope will be challenging and uh, helpful. We're drawing from different parts of the Bible on this theme. You can see from the title what the theme is in relation to. It is in the relation to the theme of zeal. In relation to the theme of zeal. And uh, um, for a good part, I want us to do a bit of scene setting and some challenge to introduce uh, this theme to us, to get us thinking and to appreciate some of the Bible's perspectives on it. But uh, I'm going to have a, a, a main phrase which I'm going to put up. It's from the, one of the readings we had and it's a challenge in and of itself. So I want to give you this at the start. Be zealous and repent, is what it says in Revelation 3. Be zealous and repent. And this was written to Christians. This was written to Christians. Christians who had gone off the boil. Christians who were lukewarm in their life and faith. They were at the church of Laodicea. And this was the command of the risen Jesus to be announced to that church, be zealous and repent. And maybe it's something we need to hear. Maybe it's something that you specifically, individually, need to hear. Uh, the theme has grown into two messages. Uh, yesterday, during the day, I realised I've got more than enough for one message. So this, this evening I'm going to be set in the scene, um, introducing it, thinking about um, what zeal is and then moving on to, to why we should be zealous and moving on to some specifics which will help us in realising why we should be zealous. It may feel a little bit, if you like, a contrast to this morning to some of us, the theme of rest that we had. But in many ways, really, it is the outworking of we look, what we looked at this morning. Perhaps it might help you to make the link like this. So I had uh, quite a bit to do for the CVO service. I'd done quite a lot during the week, but I still had quite a bit to do today for this evening service. And so after having some good food and things, I started off in an excellent way. I had a 15-minute nap. It may not work for you, it may not be possible for many of you, but I've found over the years that uh, an after-lunch nap works well for me. I'm much more productive in the afternoon and evening if I'm able to have that. And so then my work is from the foundation of rest. It comes out of rest. It's a bit like that if you've got a really busy day, if you've got, a, you've got a packed day, demanding day, stressful day, lots to happen, how good it is that you've had a really good night's sleep the night before. And in the same way, the rest of the Gospel, knowing that we're secure, we have peace in Christ, is an excellent foundation and should lead on to activity and busyness coming out of that foundation of rest. We'll see that in a verse as we go on. So it is linked to this morning. Is this theme then of zeal something you need to grow in? What does it mean to be zealous? Well, I'm interested in hearing new phrases. I'm usually a bit behind the times with my phrases. I catch on to a new phrase just as it's going out. But I did hear somebody use a phrase a couple of weeks ago. It was Corrie, actually. I can't remember in relation to what. But she talked about being stoked or stoked up. And that's a good, that's a good description of zeal. Zeal is, it is passion. It is eagerness. It is to do, really, with a fire. If, if, if a fire is stoked... If you think of a, the old steam engine, the fire, if there's plenty of fuel in it, if it's roaring, then it's uh, 
All systems go. It's full steam ahead because it's stoked up. There's, there's a lot of energy and passion going on which is driving it. Firing on all cylinders. Roaring along. Stoked. Stoked up. Other words might include passion, enthusiasm, eagerness. Some of the older words are things like ardent, devout, fervent. On a website that was more to do with young people, some of the phrases were all in, on fire, sold out. Zeal is inside a a powerful force. In fact, it is powerful and thirsty, so that sometimes in the Bible it is translated with jealous. There's some interchange between jealous and zealous. It's not just the last six letters. There's an interchange in the theme. It says it's a passionate thought being stoked up within. Would you say you're zealous then, as a Christian? Stoked up. Stoked. Christians should be zealous. Now, I want to say this just to help people who think around it. Um, some allowances as we think it through. That there is some allowance for personality. Jehu in the Bible, wow, he wanted to show his zeal for the Lord. But he also showed his zeal in the way he drove. He drove furiously. Jehu was a zealous character. Some people are like cat on hot bricks. They're zealous, energetic about everything. And not everyone is like that. Peter, James and John, Peter, you know, impetuous, James and John, the sons of thunder, are very different from Andrew and Thomas and Philip. There is some difference in personality. We... Make some allowance in our thinking, I think, for age. Ecclesiastes 12 describes the older years as the years where desire fails. David, as king towards the end of his life, is clearly a man whose passion and, and energy and diligence has waned somewhat. If you're listening to this message, maybe you're in an older people's home listening to this message, I don't want you to get excessively challenged by comparing yourself to a young George Whitfield. There are youthful desires, according to the Bible, some of them misspent, but there is generally a youthful zeal which then over time gets matured and balanced. So we should be zealous, but there is allowance for personality. We should be zealous, but there's allowance for age. We should be zealous, but I think also there is some allowance for battle weariness, if I can call it that. Battle weariness. Like Paul, sometimes we spend and are spent. You think of Elijah in the Old Testament who was done in. Christopher Ash has written a very helpful book, I think, called Zeal Without Burnout. Zeal Without Burnout. Its argument is, is seeking a pattern of life of sustainable sacrifice. He's met uh, too many situations where Christian workers have nearly burnt themselves out by their approach to life. And I've seen too many Christian workers close to or having gone through burnout made me think of one time at a conference when um, somebody did a very good talk about a, a person who was a minister in Liverpool. I've been trying to remember the man's name, the vicar in Liverpool. It wasn't Ryle, if you know Ryle. It was somebody else who was around the same time. Good talk, done from the front. And then there was a bit of discussion. Now, this person, oh, it comes to me, Richard Hobson. This person at one point had a, a nervous breakdown. And in the discussion, quite a couple hundred People there, and one person stood up and said, don't you think it would be rather good if more of us were heading to nervous breakdowns for the sake of the gospel? And the person at the front, Leslie Rawlingson, just said, I think very wisely, have you ever had a nervous breakdown? Don't get one. Don't get one. There is, there is room for... Allowance when people are battle-weary like Elijah, depressed and low because of their circumstances. 
We heard this morning there's a balance between rest and work in God's providence and plan. But nevertheless, as Christians, we should be zealous. Can I get you to think about this? What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? You are passionate. You're passionate about something. To some extent, we're all different, but you're passionate. What gets you excited? What gets you switched on? Maybe it's watching your team. Maybe it's seeing a Brit play well in the US Open. Perhaps it's the latest Marvel film. Maybe it's listening to your favourite music. Perhaps it's somebody with similar political views that gets you hot and going. Maybe it's discount offers. What gets you going? What makes you cheer? What gets you excited? What gets you planning and spending time thinking about? That's not all wrong. But, Is amongst it God and the gospel? Is amongst it God and the gospel? Does it top the list? If we're not zealous about God and the gospel, there does need to be change. We need to hear these words, be zealous and repent. There is such a thing as misplaced zeal. Looking through all the Bible references to zeal, which I do in approaching a series like this, um, a good number of them, perhaps almost as many, are to do with a bad zeal as a good zeal. Many of the Jews in Bible times were zealous, including Paul, before he was converted, he describes himself, he says, concerning zeal, Philippians 3, persecuting the church. I was active, I was busy, I was passionate against Christ. He had a misplaced zeal. And he was converted. That got rechanneled, it redirected. But later, as he looks back and thinks out of concern for his Jewish friends and brothers. He says this in Romans 10 verses 1 to 2. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. So there was a zeal there. They were energetic. They were passionate. They were religious. But it It was misplaced, it was misinformed, it was in the wrong direction. Think of the New Testament, you had the zealots. They wanted Jewish freedom, they wanted Jewish nationalism. Zeal was in their name. Some of them needed to be changed and become more Christ-focused, including one of the twelve who was Simon the Zealot. God's word needs to be our guide as to what we're zealous about and what we're not. Now, unsaved people can be very zealous. You have Islamic extremists. You have Hindu nationalists. Christians can have misplaced zeal. We can get all steamed up over small things that don't matter. We can be obsessed with what people wear We can be obsessed with our particular view of Christian worship or music. We can be taken up very fully with the end times. We can have a bee in our bonnet, a hobby horse. And we do need to realise that the main thing is for the main thing to stay the main thing. Our zeal needs to be guided by God's word and in his direction. It is good to be zealous. It's not translated that way in in the ESV, but uh, Galatians 4 and verse 18. It is good to be zealous for a good purpose. It is good to be zealous 
for a good purpose. And here his big concern is Christ-likeness. So are you zealous? Are you zealous? Be zealous and repent, says our main phrase. Well, we're going to move on then after setting the scene generally and trying to start to form a good view of this theme of zeal to think about what will help us in being zealous. What will help us in being zealous? We need the stirring work of the Lord in our hearts. But what are some of the things which according to the word will contribute to us being zealous? If we realise this evening that actually this is not where we're at and we need to hurt, what's going to help us in going forward? So I want to give some of those things for us as we think of this theme of zeal. Helps to be zealous. And here's one. Recalling that God is zealous. Recalling that God is zealous. The Father is zealous. There's many references in the Old Testament to God's zeal. God's zeal to bring his glory. God's zeal to bring about his purposes. God's zeal to defend his people. Often it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So there's the Father energetic, uh, can you use the word passionate, uh, fervent, ardent, determined, purposeful. The Son is zealous. What do the disciples conclude at the cleansing of the temple in John 2 and verse 17? They draw on the Psalms and say, zeal for your house has consumed me. They realise that Jesus is consumed with zeal for the temple and the glory and honour of God. We could say the Spirit is zealous, depending on how you understand James 4 and verse 6 where it talks about the jealousy of the Spirit for the holiness and purity of the people of God. So if we are rightly zealous, we're like God. And if we're not zealous, we're not like God. Recall that God is zealous. A second thing that will help is to remember that Christ died for us to be zealous. Christ died for us to be zealous. I picked a main verse, Revelation 3.19, be zealous and repent, or main phrase. If I wasn't allowed that and I had to pick an alternative, it would have been Titus 2 and verse 14, which Martin also read for us. He's talking about God's grace. God's wonderful love and grace to people in their lives, changing them, turning them around. He's talking about Christ dying on the cross, giving himself for his people. And he goes on to say this in verse 14. Our Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. Saved to be zealous, you see. The rest, resting in Christ, saved by grace, leading to concern and activity and a a, a right enthusiasm, a right being stoked for the right things. So, Christian, it's a serious thing for you to be zealous. It's a serious thing if you're not zealous. Because Christ gave himself, died on the cross, so that you should be zealous. And so if, you've not, if you're not zealous, there's a sense in which you've lost the plot. You've lost the plot. I know we're bouncing through some references here, but um, here's a third thing that will be 
of help to be zealous. Waking up to our lukewarmness. It's very easy to think that we're okay when we're not. Isn't it? It's very easy for us to give ourselves a good report when that's not actually God's view of how things are going. And that was the case at Laodicea, where this letter was uh, going to in Revelation. Their self-assessment, if you like, sometimes you have this, don't you, in appraisals, you write an assessment yourself and then you get your managers. Well, here, we have something of their self-assessment and it's glowing. But that's not, that's not the, the risen Lord's assessment of the situation. They didn't realise how much they needed God's help. Let's pick it up again. Revelation 3, 15 to 19. Jesus says of them, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, here's their self-assessment, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing, not realising that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. And perhaps this evening is an evening where your your self-assessment is crumbling a bit. And maybe, timely, you're waking up to your lukewarmness. You wouldn't have come here this evening thinking that zeal was an issue to think about. But when you've contrasted it to your enthusiasm for the summer sales or for fantasy football or for the Green Party and you've realised how flat your attitude is towards God, maybe you're waking up and thinking, where is the passion? Where is the fuel? Waking up to our lukewarmness is a help in being zealous. Another thing, got two more to go. Another thing which helps is Jesus' invitation to come and help. We had an invitation this morning one of the most magnificent invitations ever in the world, wasn't it? Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. We had an invitation in the reading in Revelation. Our next verse is an invitation. Verse 20 is an invitation to Christians. Let me read it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now this is an invitation which has often been a help to those who are not Christians to show the kindness of Christ, the way that Christ receives and enters people's lives. But here it is written to lukewarm Christians. And the invitation to us if we're lukewarm Christians is this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I don't know if you've ever had somebody important knock at your door want to come in. We tend to live uh, pretty low profile lives so we've probably got much to say about me. You haven't had a celebrity knock at the door or an MP and you say, no, 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 MP is a member of the cabinet. There's somebody on the telly who's asked, well, he's outside, they want to come in. We don't tend to have that. But if you did, you wow. But here, Jesus is knocking on your door, lukewarm Christian. And he says, I'm willing to come. I'm willing to bless. 
I'm willing to spend time with you. Things can be different as you seek to be zealous and repent. My help is forthcoming. There is a willingness on my behalf to come in and to be with you. That's a help, isn't it? If we're turning the corner of zeal in our lives, be zealous and repent, followed by the invitation of Jesus. And then a, a final our final help is the good zeal of others. The good zeal of others will be a help to us. At 2 Corinthians uh, 9 and verse 2, it says this, the theme is giving, and in talking to the Corinthians, he says of them what they were like some time ago, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia had been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. It didn't quite carry on as it should have done, as we might find out later on, but there was an initial zeal in the Corinthians and it had a ripple effect around in the region. They were looking to give to the support of the the needs of other Christians elsewhere. Others were looking on and saying, yeah, they're passionate, I want to be passionate, I'm passionate, I agree, let's do this. And there is a stirring which comes from being with others, from linking with Christians who are rightly, biblically zealous. This is where the picture of the fire, which is a... a, 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 um, a picture of zeal, really, the fire. Uh, and that's what, So if you get a, a coal and it's with other coals or a log and it's with other logs, they play off each other, don't they? That's what you have to do if you're keeping a fire going. You have to play the logs off each other. And if you get a, a log or a, a, a coal that comes off the grate, it soon gets uh, black and it loses its glow and its flame and its heat-giving. And as Christians, we, we do need to be with one another benefiting from one another and it is good if we're with other Christians who've got a good and right zeal and we'll find that God uses it to encourage us and to stir us up. It's like that in Hebrews 10. It's one of the the great benefits of coming together. It's one of the great disadvantages we had over the sort of lockdown separation. Verse 24, And let us Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So if you want to be zealous, don't miss out on being with other Christians, don't cut yourself off, don't set loose. You need to be with the other logs. You need to be with the burning coals. You need to allow their God-given zeal to encourage a God-given zeal in you. A biblical theme then of zeal. Be zealous and repent. As I thought about this, I thought uh, about... uh, um, a young lady a few decades ago and uh, her Christian life wasn't really going particularly well. And then uh, she started, she got in relationship actually with a strong Christian and in the course of a year or two there was a big change in her level of zeal, in her enthusiasm, in her Christian usefulness. Maybe think of two other uh, chaps uh, both who were, in, I think, teens or early 20s. And their lives were like, if you like, drifting as Christians. They're um, wonderfully saved. But um, they weren't on fire. Uh, they weren't seeking to serve much. There was a flatness and a discouragement about them. And then God worked in them in a wonderful way so that they became very strong and active, thirsty, enthusiastic servants, still very useful in his service. I suppose part of the burden behind looking at this is that maybe there's there's some of us that are a bit like that now, 
Maybe we're, we're in the young, uh, sort of early years of our Christian faith, we're teens and twenties, maybe we're older, but the lukewarmness has set in. And maybe it's uh, quite timely just have this couple of series, what you've heard tonight and then next week as we look at some specific ways that that zeal will work out. Maybe this phrase, be zealous and repent, is a really fitting one for you as you live out your life of faith, resting in the grace of Christ. Let's allow just a little while for personal prayer and uh, then I'll pray before we have our closing Lord, we thank you that we are not saved by our activity, our busyness, our passion. We rest alone in the finished work of Christ and we're secure in him. We praise you for that. But we know we are saved to serve. Christ gave himself to form a people who were zealous for good works that the people at Laodicea had grown very lukewarm. How easy we find it to be passionate about our hobbies and our interests and to become very lacklustre, subdued, lacking in enthusiasm over our God and the Gospel. Do forgive us. And do help us. Lord, you remember our frame. You know that we are dust. We thank you for your compassionate concern for the individual circumstances affecting each one of us. But we do pray that this evening's message, and maybe next week as well, we look at it in the evening, may... um, be a healthy poke in the fire, maybe some bellows on the flames, may stir up more enthusiasm for the things that should really enthuse us. So may your spirit use this in our lives for your glory, we pray through Jesus Christ. Amen. Our closing song is O Breath of Life Come Sweeping Through Us Revive Thy Church With Life and Power Let's sing this song
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the blessing and the work of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.